ladies and gentlemen, Greg Proops. It only takes a minute, girl, to fall in love, fall in love. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast, takes to the ether here from the salubrious confines of the wine bar here at the fabulous Gilded Balloon at the amazing Edinburgh Comedy Festival. Hooray for us. For loving comedy so much. There's also the Fringe and the film and the books and the, uh, the movies and the, and, the, and the dance and the music and every other manner of uh, performing here. There's people with giant wicker horns walking up and down the Royal Mile. Uh, there's a guy dressed in a brown thing. I wasn't sure what he was supposed to be. Um, that was weird and very literary. You could write a short story about the dude on the Royal Mile who is unidentifiable. Um, and uh, every, everything's going on here. My goodness... The fringe has changed so much since I first came here. There's donuts now. <laughs> there was no donuts then. There was no coffee stands when I first started coming here. I came here uh, the first time, uh, 1919, right after the First World War. Uh, we had just showed uh, the Hun a thing or two. I'll tell you that much. Uh, we had put them in their fucking place. And, uh, and thank God America joined when we did, right toward the waning months. Um... <laughs> See, I knew that would be a popular one here. <laughs> but it was different. Everything was down on the other side. All the venues are far apart. Now all the venues are close together, and there's beer gardens everywhere, and it's, uh, it's wild. I don't know that it's worse. I think it's just different, that's all. I think there's just as many striving hearts, you know, gasping for recognition, as many poetic voices out there clamoring to be heard by the masses, and all at once be given a succor at the giant teeth that is the public, and... <laughs> So many people who are just egomaniacal assholes like myself who come here to drink and soak it in. Um, thank you for your mild laughter. Uh, uh, the sky today, how do I describe it to the people who've never been to Edinburgh before? Um, uh, people live in California where I live in Los Angeles. If the weather was like this, um, the airport would be closed. <laughs> It would be Stormwatch 2012, and people would be on the news, you know, like, I, don't, I can't believe this, but I think the Justin Bieber compound is about to give way into the Pacific Ocean here. Uh, here, of course, people don't even put an umbrella up, because you don't feel moisture. You feel not mud beneath your feet, nor do you smell vomit in the alleyways. Nor doth moisture invade your olfactory faculties. Once you walk with your head in an azure haze, well above the blood and the sputum that line the streets here, completely ignoring all the ginger-haired wigs and Nessie hats that line everywhere. It means nothing to you. You're only searching for that next jacket potato and hand job and a furtive corner. That only next hit of speed and awesome alternative comedian who spells cunt with a K. I know the kind of thrills you assholes are looking for, and I'm going to provide them one after the next here on this Prupa coaster ride through the kittenish night of Edinburgh. Sometimes called the Athens of the North, tonight I should think the fucking Godthob of the South. Godthob is the only city name I know of the place Greenland. And I don't even know if it's pronounced Godthob. I think it's just fucking spelled that way. No one's ever been to Greenland as far as I know. Not even Greenish people. Or whoever fucking lives there. I'm sure somebody fucking has to. Viking people. Your Vikings came, turned everybody ginger, and then fucked straight off. <laughs> 
and left a legacy of shitty food and hard drink a mile wide. The taste for random violence and the complete ignoring of physical discomfort is something I can only attribute to people who came in longboats with giant cocks and hairy chests and weird fucking helmets who ruled people whose names were like Skill and Skjol and Snjol and shit like that. And you're the lovely Scottish lasses took them on board with their... And then the men here with their tiny sporins looked askance as the boat sailed away. And then one day I, too, will drink iron brew from a flagon. <laughs> so saith I. In the night, calf, calf. That's your bad lungs. People here cough a lot. <laughs> cough a lot. I know it sounds a bit bizarre. Uh, well... So, so much going on. Let's get right to the corrections at endems errata, Eric Estrada, uh, and onomatopoeia. That is the uh, fringe. Uh, gather, gather, gather. Uh, Kittens McTavish, uh, a couple of episodes ago, I indicated in a joke that I was doing about the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, which I called Slumdog Hobbit. Um, and then the finale, of course, was disappointingly no Bowie. Um, no one wants to see Kate Bush, by the way. I mean, I adore Kate Bush, but like they kept going, Kate Bush might perform. No, she fucking might not. <laughs> you have more chance of getting a personal invitation to her house for a fucking cheese party tomorrow afternoon than you do of her actually performing live ever again. And if she did, she'd wear flip-flops and have a ukulele and you'd be like, fuck, we waited for this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a long, long time to touch down. No, she's fabulous. Uh, they picked the wrong songs for all the closing ceremony. They picked the wrong songs for all of it, quite frankly, uh, except for the Spice Girls wannabe. That was awesome. If the, there's one thing you want to remind the athletes, it's uh, Zig Zig Awe and the magic that lies therein. I made a joke about the opening ceremonies, aside from the weird fetus baby in the piles of dirt. Um, I said uh, Kenneth Branagh was dressed as Abraham Lincoln watching smokestacks come out of the ground. And you can't believe how many literal people live on this island. An island where I thought, you know how many times I have to hear uh, when I'm on this island, Americans, uh, they have no sense of irony. (laughs) If only Americans had a sense of sarcasm, then their sense of humor would be a bit more sophisticated, don't you think? Well, when I say Kenneth Branagh is dressed as Abraham Lincoln, that's a fucking joke, okay? I'm being a dick. I know who Eisenbard Kingdom fucking Brazil is or whatever. It's the Clifton Suspension Bridge, is it? Is his most famous achievement, other than wearing mutton chop sideburns and a stovepipe hat. And by the fucking way, Brunel was born in France and educated in France and spoke fluent French, and his parents were French. And then he came to England and did all his work. So in case you were getting feeling real fucking high and mighty that you had an English hero, not you guys, but England was feeling high and mighty. I know we're in Scottish land and shit. Last night I congratulated the crowd on the Olympics, and people were like, we don't care. Um... They were in an adjacent country. Yes, I forgot. They're part of Greg Britain or whatever you guys are calling yourselves now. Uh, Eisenbard Kingdom Brunel. I know who he is. I know that he dressed like Abraham Lincoln. It's the same time period. It was a fucking joke. I had so many emails where people go like, I, I think you're confusing the two. It wasn't actually Abraham Lincoln. And then some people, oh, was that a joke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you have to ask if something was a joke, it didn't work as a joke, or you're so fucking literal that you shouldn't even email me and compound the fucking felony. Two, 
Uh, if you think you're funny, don't tell people you're funny. I was reading in the paper the other day that a woman cr- described herself as, I'm a cracking blonde with an excellent sense of humor. If you have to tell people you have a sense of humor, you have no fucking sense of humor. You might as well go, I'm great on a date, and I lay there flat and rigid when anything happens. <laughs> People with a real sense of humor go, oh shit, you spilled wine all over me. Oh my God, you're inside me. This is awesome. (laughs) They don't tell you they have a fucking sense of humor. I also called Oscar uh, Pistorius, uh, Oscar uh, Patroclus. I gave him, I gave him Achilles boyhood friend's name from the Iliad. So fucking forgive me for outdoing Homer, even though I'm not quite as blind. Uh... I am almost as deaf as Homer was, by the way. And yes, I go on as long as Homer did, uh, except not in couplets or quatrains, uh, more like bottles and cans, and then clap your hands. It, uh, Patroclus was uh, uh, Achilles' best friend. Patroclus got killed. And uh, uh, what did Achilles do? He, he dragged the Trojan leader's body around Troy for like three fucking days behind a chariot until he died. Some horrible, cruel shit uh, that the Greeks did. And um, in any case, uh, his name is Oscar Pistorius, more like Jaco Pistorius, who is a famous bass player from the... 70s who was thrown out of a window by gangsters which is called defenestration and is one of the funnest words you could possibly use it's a horrible act and I believe one act of defenestration started the 30 years war was it there's only a few people that have been defenestrated that I can even think of there's also self defenestration which is when you chuck yourself out a window but it's not as fun I think it's funner when a group of people chuck you out a window I mean I've never done it but it just seems fun first of all I believe if is it finette is French for window and then so you'd be Definetted, I'm thrown out the fucking window. It's much better in French than it is in English when it would be like pitched out a fucking window. Uh, no, Oscar Pistorius was the fellow they were calling the Blade Runner who had the artificial legs below the, below the knees. And the mistake that I made that I'm correcting here tonight because I'm that big is, um, in fact, I'm so wide I can barely fit. Uh, is a, I, I, I believe I call the, the runner that uh, traded numbers and names with him at the end of the, his match was um, James and his name um, it was Baker and his name is Karani James and he was from Grenada um, and uh, he, he went on to win uh, the event which is uh, does anybody for the 400 the 400 thank you wow some help from the crowd this is awesome <laughs> Karani James of Grenada who I believe won Grenada's only medal and it was a gold medal uh, or did they win a relay as well I think they might have run a relay as well. Uh, I know the Bahamas only won the, the one gold medal. Anyway, it was Karani James that traded with him. And as I said, Pistorius ran the race and didn't, and didn't get shown up. And then James was so cool that he went over to him and didn't do the big like hug, kiss, oh, I'm so proud of you, you don't have any legs and shit thing. He went bam, bam, and pointed at his name. And then it took forever and they got their fucking numbers off and just gave them to each other. And then he went like bam and went away, which was cool, I thought, instead of um, making a Danny Boyle production out of it. Danny Boyle would have had him singing and a nurse come by and push him around in a bed for a while and shit and then we'd have had to see his legs attached to him and shit and even then Abraham Lincoln would have come and gone like that while the smokestack came out of the ground and then Paul McCartney would have come out when you were young and you only had one leg a dude would help you on with the other you know he did you know he did you know so kick and let die kick and let die it would have been better 
Uh, and then my, my, I believe I got, I don't know if I got this wrong or I omitted mentioning it at all. Manteo Mitchell was the American who ran the first leg of the 41100 and um, his tibia was broken through the entire race. It snapped about halfway through. He fucking finished and handed the baton off and didn't even snivel. That is awesome. For all the people who fell off the bars or whatever and cried and shit, how about breaking your fucking leg and then going, here's the baton and then something's wrong. <laughs> I think I've fractured a spine. I don't know if anyone's ever seen a John Wayne movie here. I know you're all quite young and shit, but there's a, a very excellent... It's not a John Wayne movie. It's called The Longest Day, and it's about D-Day, right? I'm going to take a drink here and take five. Oh. And um, John Wayne plays an American paratrooper commander in it. Duh, of course. It's how America won D-Day with some help from the English. And... <laughs> And no help from the Canadians, by the way. I watched it in Canada one year uh, on, uh, on Canada Day, and they had Canadian veterans on it. And even though there was a Canadian division on I think it was Omaha or Juno, there's no fucking Canadians in this movie. Not even Cliff Robertson got in on this one. No William Shatner, fucking nobody. Roddy McDowell plays an American in it. It's awesome. And he has glasses and shit. Look, look, I've shot my first person. I'm from America. How's Cleveland? Uh... <laughs> Anyway, Richard Burton is in it, and he shoots a German guy, and the German guy's got up in the middle of the night and put his boots on the wrong feet. And so Burton, in every movie, how did he find this part in The Longest Day? Everyone's a fucking hero in this movie. Robert Mitchum lights a cigar up when they get to the fucking beach. Kenneth Moore is the beach master and has a shillelagh and a fucking British bulldog and hits a tank, and the tank goes because he hits it and shit. Like, it's full of heroism. Richard Burton, drunk and feeling sorry for himself, laying in a corner, and he goes, look at his boots. He got up so quickly, put them on the wrong feet. <laughs> How did you find time in World War II to feel sorry for yourself? That's what I love about his acting. If he could find a spot, he would, and he did in that one awesomely. Uh, John Wayne lands, and they all paratroop in, right? And John Wayne breaks his fucking leg, just breaks it clean, right? They put him in a wheelbarrow and wheel him through the movie. And the, the medic comes up to him and goes, your leg's broken, you've got to go back. And John Wayne goes, lace it up. And he says, no, it's really broken. You can't, you know, play in today's battle. And I'm paraphrasing. And John Wayne goes, I said, lace it up, Doc. And he goes through the whole of World War II with a broken leg riding around in a wheelbarrow. And that is badass. And that's what Manteo Mitchell did, except he didn't need the fucking wheelbarrow. He fell down at the end, and it was awesome. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about balaclavas tonight. Uh, for the Americans who are listening to this show, that means ski mask. It means the ski mask that goes over your face that you rob a bank with. That's the one. It's a balaclava here. Uh, but that's what they call it, and I'm going uh, to refer to that as such. Uh, I'm not invited to the um, book festival here. I mean, I'm invited. I'm allowed to go if I want. I'm not thrown out summarily. They don't go, proofs, I told you, and stay out. <laughs> and don't come back. They shake their fist and whatnot. Uh, I'm allowed to go. It's just that I'm not invited because I haven't written a book. Now, what they don't realize is I've done almost 70 episodes of The Smartest Man in the World, and I'm dictating my novel one fucking dick reference at a time. It's just taking a really long time to get this novel down. I'm never going to transcribe it, but if anyone did, you'll find that there's an amazing connectivity between episode one and now. I'm joking again, of course, but please, honor everything I say with a moment of silence, won't you, Scotland? <laughs> You make one shitty fucking Abraham Lincoln reference. We don't know what a joke is now, Greg. 
We loved the opening ceremony. When you see crippled children singing, it's Olympic time. If Brazil has fucking nurses in their opening ceremony, I will gobble everyone's genitalia in this room in George Square tomorrow morning at fucking 8 a.m. with no Starbucks beforehand. Brazil, which has dire poverty and will be, I'm sure, executing children by the thousand to make room for the stadiums, is not going to have a ceremony of opening ceremony as depressing as the fucking opening ceremony you guys put on, where people were wheeled out in their pajamas in a bed and deaf children sang. If there is one starving child in the Brazilian ceremony, I will fucking shoot a donut out my butt into a goose's mouth flying down off Arthur's seat. The Brazilian opening ceremony... The Brazilian opening ceremony is going to be hot chicks and hot dudes fucking dancing, just keeping back a tide of STDs with feathers and beads. And then a papaya is going to drop, and it's going to explode, and fucking Shakira is going to come out, even though she's not from Brazil. That's how open-minded they are. And then, sadly, Paul McCartney will appear again. Someone's putting the shot, someone's vaulting the pole. Someone's chucking a discus, someone's digging a hole. Do me a favor. Yeah. Do me a favor and fuck off. Somehow I don't think England is going to do as, or I'm sorry, Team Great Britain uh, is going to do as well in the Brazilian ones. Although I'm, if, you have, if they have horse dancing again, you're going to fucking rage. Uh, right. Why the reason I brought up the book festival is uh, I've been right. Uh, you may have, if you're a longtime listener of the show or even a frequent listener, you know that uh, I have a novel that I've been working on called My Fist Has Two Dicks. And it's a hard hitting novel, uh, as indicated by the title. The sequel is Unhappy Dancer. I'd like to read you a small chapter from the Edinburgh version. The sky split open like a grapefruit smashed by a mallet wielded by a madman. I got into a cab as forcefully as I could, so forcefully that the cab cried youch and tried to sue me. <laughs> we were taken to the summit of Arthur's seat where I could see far past the leaf into the interminable universe and then back into everyone's soul that had ever lived. <laughs> Just then a hunger gnawed inside me. I bade the cab driver pull over. Instead, he drove off a cliff. At that moment, I leapt from the cab and grabbed a bag of chips from a passing lady. <laughs> Fifty cans of executive lager appeared in front of me, and I drank them one after the next, some upside down. <laughs> Just then, I saw a kitten with three legs. I quickly put my hand on the, the shank where the leg used to be, and another one grew immediately. <laughs> Mewled the kitten. <laughs> Never mind, kitten, I cried, and then picked it up and hurled it toward its home where it landed safely on a pile of baked beans and marshmallows that I had placed there earlier in my insane prescience. Chapter 2. The dawn broke too early and the sun came up like a runny, red-eyed egg. And so I stared it the fuck back down. 
The night lasted three more hours, and finally my hangover subsided to the point where I could snort a Nurofen Plus <laughs> using a pig's trotter that I do to bash things to smithereens when I need to put them in my nose. A small Filipino boy appeared in my pants. I beat him ceaselessly with a saveloy that I had prepared earlier. Just then, a four-legged kitten appeared with an emissary for a group of four-legged kittens, all of whom I had cured in previous years at the Edinburgh Festival. They all sang in chorus. Think nothing of it, kittens, I cried, and I pulled the rug out from under them, and they fell toppling backwards in insane laughter. The ribbons all flew from the tops of their bushy heads and landed on nearby foxes. The foxes formed the letters WOW and strode manfully up the Royal Mile. (laughs) Chapter 3. My fist has two dicks. Are you man enough to taste either? That's the cover thing, the blurb on the cover. (laughs) Unhappy Dancer, Chapter 3. The music played. I was sad. No, really sad. So fucking sad the music stopped playing, and I carried on humming tunelessly. My left foot had been broken earlier by a kitten that I hadn't helped. (laughs) To be fucking continued. All right, let's get to uh, what's what here. We're in Scotland, and you can, you can buy Nessie hats everywhere here. I think I've told the story before on the show. Uh, my wife and I went to Loch Ness. Uh, back in the 90s, we were staying in a... Have I told this? I'm almost certain I did. We went up and stayed at a beautiful lodge. Uh, first, we stayed at a castle where... Um, Mary Queen of Scots had been run to ground, as it were. A castle called Borthwick, where they make you jump. uh, If you were an enemy of the state, the castle uh, turrets are just far enough apart that no human could jump them. And so they go like, jump to the other one. And if you live, hey, you can go home. Uh, And and Mary Queen was run down there. Mary Queen was, I think, six feet tall, which was awesome of her. And uh, in those days, are you fucking joking me when everyone was five feet tall and had rats running around and shit? And lice on their head. Anyways, we went and stayed at a beautiful lodge. And then you could walk from the lodge to Loch Ness. So we would walk down and we walked down a Scottish picnic. We had them prepared for us at the lodge. So it was like um, a sandwich on dry bread with no water and dryness. Served with dryness. (laughs) Wrapped in shit that didn't keep it fresh with no serviette. So that when you got there, you went, fuck, my hands are covered with shit now from this dry ass sandwich. And I wish I could drink out of the lake because I'm dying. Um, Anyway, we sat there for a long and crisps. We sat there for the Well, I've only got beef and tomato. That was the mistress of the lodge. She spoke like that, and she wiggled her head. And her husband wore tweed. He really did wear tweed. And whenever my wife would order wine, he would, uh, he would tell me what the wine was on the, on the QT, Sub Rosa, like it was a, a you know, confidence between men. My wife would order the wine, and I remember coming back from the loo, and he walked by me, and he went, It's a Beaujolais, like that. Like... <laughs> You, you, know how the, you know how the oviparous are. They're sneaky. They'll crank a Beaujolais on, on you when all you want is a red-blooded penis wine. 
So we stared at Loch Ness for fucking hours, hours and hours and hours. And of course, there's fish. There's I don't know what the fuck's in. I don't know. It's outdoors, so it's it's a mystery to me. I think there's fish. I think there's seals. I don't know what kind of land animals you have here. Uh, you know, there was fuzzy cows, sheep, whatever lives in the lake. Uh, there were aquatic cows. that whatnot and little sh- and they're like you know splash uh, so every two seconds every two seconds you hear the water splash and you go like is it Nessie and then look over and, and then no it's not fucking Nessie I'm not an Irish saint I'm not going to see Nessie so uh, anyways there's of course this is from uh, yesterday's uh, Daily Mail which as you know is the voice of, of Edinburgh <laughs> with articles like uh uh, I knew the train had hit something. It was my father and my brother. <laughs> Aye, fucking interesting article, that one. A couple of... Unbelievable. As he enjoyed the stunning scenery of the West Highland Line, Gary Kolarczyk was looking forward to meeting his father and brother at the next stop. But when the train came to an abrupt halt near Rannock Station in the middle of a bleak moor, the family reunion took a bizarre twist. <laughs> It's all the news that's fun to read. I bet it took a bizarre twist. We're looking at the bright... Last sentence. We're looking at the bright side, though. They could have been killed. Stop whinging. You were only hit by a train. You could be dead. And unable to drink this pint I'm about to pour you. And then CalMac faces route, route rivals. Uh, state-owned ferry operator Caledonian McBrain faces competition for all 24 of its routes as they go out to tender later this year. I died of boredom during the headline. <laughs> Robin Gig- Gibb ignored his cancer to go on tour. Quite right. Are you a performer or are you a mouse? Shearing's Holidays. This is an ad. Great value. Coach Holidays. That means you're on a bus, does it not? Save up to 40%. Award-winning holidays to Britain's best resorts. Okay. (laughs) Let's discuss the organization that awards. (laughs) Somebody is granting awards to coach holidays. There is a stamp here with laurel leaves. And it says, a winner... British Travel Awards 2011, UK Stroke Domestic Holiday Company of the Year. Now, if you've ever been on a coach or a bus, as we say, um, nothing good ever happens on a bus. (laughs) Even if you score drugs and something wild happens in the toilet, it's still not a good bus ride because you're on a bus at the end of the day. I'm sure they don't let you smoke anymore, so where's the fucking fun? Uh, award-winning holidays in Britain's best resorts. Luxury coach travel from adjoining point near you. I shouldn't fucking think so. Half-board accommodation with three-course evening meals. Let me get this straight. Half-board? Does that mean a partial meal? Like you get an apple? Or like, oh, it's lunchtime. Here's some soup. Can I have no? the fuck's half board everyone's heard of room and board no one's ever had room and half board before stay in our exclusive bay or coast or county fast fantastic live evening entertainment on a bus (laughs) i hope so i I assume that's after you stop 
eight-day holidays, Oban, Isle of Mull, and Iona. First of all, I'm not a big geographer. I'm not even a Viking. But I'm, as, as an amateur cartographer, I do know this. The Isle of Mull, Oban, and Iona are islands, and you simply can't get to them on a bus. <laughs> Especially on these kind of fucking rations. Strathpheffer? How do you pronounce that? Anybody? Strathpheffer. And Highland Explorer. That one's 279 quid on the 1st of September. 269 quid on the 29th of September. What horrible fell events take place in the intervening 28 days that require a 10 quid reduction? (laughs) Strathpheffer. In the beginning of September. Ay, magic. At the end of September, don't go there. <laughs> That's the strap pfeffer killer sheep. He invades your coach tour and eats half your board. <laughs> wow. Autumn on the Rhine, five days by air, three days in a camp. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that one made my pulse race. Uh, here's the headline. Um, so, this is from the Daily Mail. So, is this proof that the latest sightings of Nessie is just another monster hoax? Now, I'm from America, and you can't imagine how exciting that Loch Ness monster is to us. I have Bigfoot, where I come from, in California, eh, who's a man in a suit who runs by a film camera in the early 70s and goes, <laughs> and then keeps running. There's also specious recordings of Bigfoot and shit, where you hear like, and then they go, could this be the sound of the Bigfoot? <laughs> no, but it could be me going. <laughs> and like with Nessie, it's always like, is this a photograph of Nessie? <laughs> no, it's a pen Greg's holding. <laughs> By Jim, and I hesitate to say this name during a theater show, Macbeth. Sheep of salt feather Stride by stride Woolly ringlet by woolly ringlet By your black face and your floppy ears Doth the wind come down And tis a fell black bastard this night All the way from And the island of Jim Macbeth, double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron devil. <laughs> By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. <laughs> I've never played the witch, but if I did, I think you just had the audition right there. Eye of meat and toe of dog, wing of bat and tongue of frog. What is it, ear of Jew? There is some major shit in that speech, too. I believe there's an ear of a Jew at one point. It's fucking good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Medieval curses have Jew parts. 
<laughs> Greg of Bakers. <laughs> and Iron of Brew. Fried of Haggis and Mars Bars too. Tins of pineapple and ten silk cuts. Uh, it was hailed as fresh evidence showing the existence of the Loch Ness Monster, a photographic glimpse of the beast's back on the surface of deep, comma, dark waters. But yesterday, a veteran Nessie hunter claimed the new image may not be what it seems and that he's got the hump to prove it. Uh, there's filming and the caption says documentary with hump on right side of deck there's a plastic hump it's apparently been kicking around the dock for 10 fucking years since they did this documentary there a dude took a picture of it and then said it was Nessie but then later he denies that it was the fucking hump and says that he really thinks it's Nessie let's see where is it here Uh, the hump has a colorful history I shouldn't think so (laughs) it was brought to Scotland 10 years ago by a TV didn't I cover that then they used it their model prehistoric looking model to scare people on lock cruises Mr. Feltham said the filmmakers put the model into the water and four divers were hidden behind it. They didn't say it was a sighting of the monster. They wanted to see people's reaction. When the divers brought it to the surface and the people on the boat were told to look in its direction, the film crew wanted to capture the expression of the faces of the people who thought they were making contact with the monster. It was all done as a bit of fun. It's too bad the writing wasn't done that way. (laughs) Holy shit, that took forever to get to them fucking seeing the thing. Uh, They used it for dramatic effect. Uh, This cat says, who runs the... um, I, I, I defy, uh, what is it? He runs a cruise ship business. I've, I've kept vigil for 21 years without being able to photograph a creature which I wholeheartedly believe exists, which really makes me angry, though is the, ty- the hype of this thing diminished the seriousness of the quest to find the Loch Ness Monster. I came here on holiday as a child and as an adult. <laughs> Was it a shearing great value coach holiday? <laughs> Because that won an award for one of holidays uh, to Britain's best resorts. Uh, In the 80s, when I was installing security alarms in old people's houses, I thought to myself, I could strangle them and take their food. (laughs) I thought to my... That was I put that in. (laughs) I thought to myself, I could take their pension if I pretended I was their son. It turned into a pinter play, didn't it? How's the heat, eh, Mum? What's all right? I'm quite warm now. Aren't you glad I've come back home? You've been gone so long. (laughs) I thought to myself, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I gave up everything I had, house, job, and girlfriend. Let's stop right there. (laughs) You've been looking for the Loch Ness Monster for 21 years. And you think that it's a serious quest and you had a girlfriend. (laughs) Well, she was at Comic-Con this year dressed as Jabba the Hutt. (laughs) Oh, I'm just being mean now, but it's funny. I've never, I've never wavered and I have become a fixture by the lock side. People who have taken pictures they believe to be Nessie come to me and I can explain to them why it's not Nessie. Presumably because you didn't take the fucking picture. That's why, as I said, I was delighted for George when I saw his picture, but I really took, I really took the hump when I realized that it probably wasn't real. Oh, I see what they've done there. Uh, Mr. Edwards said, I feel immensely privileged because he thinks he saw one. He advised monster hunters hoping to share in further sighting to come out early before the lock is busy with tour boats and rowers. He said earlier this week, the thing about Nessie is you just never know. 
No, you fucking don't. I like the theory that it's a plesiosaur. You're talking through your handkerchief. No one can hear you. <laughs> that it's a plesiosaur from, uh, what is it, the Jurassic period or whenever plesiosaurs swam in the ocean. And that it's trapped in there. Uh, there's the, uh, the awesome picture from the 30s that looks like someone going like that. Because it turned out it was someone going like that. <laughs> Uh, in 1960, aeronautical engineer Tim Dinsdale f- filmed a hump crossing the water, leaving a powerful wake. Okay. The computer expert who enhanced the film that they made in 93 said, I thought the Loch Ness Monster was a load of rubbish, but having done the enhancement, I'm not so sure. <laughs> exactly. Late tonight, when you go to sleep here in Edinburgh, when you, you know, about 4 or 5 a.m. after you've done all your coke and you've been to the penny farthing, after you've had chips and gotten a fight with a Hib supporter. <laughs> when you're lying in bed, tossing and turning because there's no fucking air conditioning in the shithole you're staying at. And you've got the window open and the wind is blowing through and the dreek starts to pour in your ass. And the iron brew you've put next to your bed tips over. If you hear a noise like... <laughs> that's Nessie. Because you fucking never know. And if you turn and Nessie's wearing a fucking Nessie hat from the Royal Mile, that's what she wears when she's in disguise in town. That way she just looks like any fat ass from Ohio. Pussy Riot! Pussy Riot has done it again. Uh, but before we get to Pussy Riot, a couple of things. Uh, people like books. There's a book festival here. My book is called My uh, uh, Fist Has Two Dicks. Um, people like Audible. Sometimes when you don't feel like... Audible! When you don't feel like reading. Audible.com. Uh, get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. Um, and then it says below it in black call letters, this is the call to action and should be emphasized or repeated. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. I'll actually read it the way it's written. It's in, get a free, in capital letters, audiobook download when you sign up for a free, in capital letters, trial today, exclamation point. So here's how it's actually read. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. <laughs> Go to www.audiblepodcast.com if you're in England slash smartest. If you're in America, stroke smartest to get your free auto audiobook today. And uh, this offer is only good to those in U.S. and Canada. Oh well, fuck you. <laughs> or fuck me rather. Uh, we're going to be here at the Gilded Balloon on the 22nd. Uh, I don't know when this one's going to drop. We already dropped the last one from last week. Uh, nine uh, On the September 4th, we're going to be at the Cine Family in Los Angeles. I know a lot of you are coming over. Um, uh, we do, we're trying to think of it. I'm showing a movie every month at the Cine Family, which is an awesome movie theater that shows old movies in Los Angeles. I showed um, a Point Break before, and then I showed the, the month before that, uh, Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. This, we're try- I think I'm thinking of... Cin- here, let me try a couple of names on you. Proops Loops. No. Uh, Cinema Prupadiso? <laughs> mild. Mild on that one. We still haven't come up with a name, but we're going to. Um, someone said Proopcorn, but then I thought, mmm. <laughs> Proopcorn seems like something that people do as a predilection. <laughs> anyway, we're going to show With Nail and I on uh, the, yeah, which is fucking genius. You need working on, boy. I've seen you poncing about like a tit. That fucking movie is the greatest movie of all time. I say that about every movie I show, but really I'm not lying about With Neil and I. If you've never seen With Neil and I, do yourself a fucking favor. 
and drink along with it. Um, there's so much drinking drugs in that movie. There's a joint the size of a carrot called a Camberwell carrot uh, later in the movie. It is fucking good. You don't spike me. I take anything you can fucking give. I'll spike you. You know you've been spoken to. Very unwise, mate. Very unwise. Uh, Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood on the 5th Bar Lubitsch on the 12th Bar Lubitsch on the 19th Do you ever quit playing Bar Lubitsch? It's free there And there's a bar inside The Mesa Art Center in Mesa, Arizona What does Mesa mean, Greg? It means table Uh, And then, uh, oh, I already did the punchline And then I'm at the assembly the rest of the festival uh, 6.15 at a tent Uh, So come and see me there And shit like that Pussy Riot uh, finally got convicted We've been talking about Pussy Riot on the show I was reminded by a woman who emailed me And by the way, if you want to email me It's at um, uh, Smartest at a special thing uh, fan mail, if you want to email me personally, fanmail4greg at gmail.com, and I do answer them. And if you've emailed me, you know that I fucking do answer them. And if you want to email me with questions for the show, it's smartest at a special thing.com. So, in other words, if you're going to email me and want to discuss something with me, fanmail4greg at gmail.com. Don't send me the question there, because people do anyway. Although I get some awesome emails from that. Uh, if you want to ask me a question, smartest at a special thing.com. And she wrote, um, you've been talking about Pussy Riot and you're calling them girls. They're in their 20s. I teach uh, feminist history. Please call them women. Pussy Riot. The women of Pussy Riot. Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin faced mounting. This is from the Times. As you know, unimpeachable source of news. Um, <laughs> The London Times. Uh, Vladimir Putin faced mounting international criticism last night after a Russian court jailed three women in the Pussy Riot trial for two years. I don't think I would have written the lead that way, but okay. First of all, I love calling it the Pussy Riot trial, as if there was a riot of pussy, or there was a riot of pussies, or pussy had a riot. And in, in any case, we're calling it the Pussy Riot trial now, which I think is awesome. I, I would have said that in any case, there's a girl in a shako, uh, I mean, a uh, balaclava on the cover. In other words, a yellow ski mask, which is de rigueur now. Protesters took to the streets in cities around the world as the sentences were delivered. Cultural figures and political leaders united in condemnation of the imprisonment of, an, oh my God, I said their names the last show, Nazdesha Tolinikova, uh, Maria Olenikina, and uh, Tetarikina Samuts. Samutsevich. I knew if I said it fast, it worked. Uh, they were convicted of hooliganism, uh, which, as I've said, next to rowdyism and making noise in the back of a movie theater while I'm trying to concentrate, the worst crime ever committed. <laughs> they did a punk prayer against Mr. Putin and Christ the Savior Cathedral in Russia's capital. Now, the point of this is that three young women who are 24, 30, and 22 who are in a band called Pussy Riot. Clearly, they have a sense of humor, much like the Sex Pistols did when they named their group the Sex Pistols. It was shocking when I was a teenager that there was a group called the Sex Pistols. First of all, as Americans, we had no idea what that could possibly mean. <laughs> Secondly, they did uh, uh, I Am an Antichrist and all that. And, and that, in America, whenever you say you're an Antichrist, we're so literal, people are like, they're like the devil! So... <laughs> When Pussy Riot comes out in America, people are like, you can't call a band Pussy Riot because that's like a woman's thing that she has that no one will say the name of. (laughs) And those can't riot. Those are quiet. And you stroke them and then you cover them later. And and then out of them comes a baby with Jesus blessing. Uh... The two year, they got two years for hooliganism. There were cries of shame in the packed courtroom, but defiance to the last from the women who had crossed the Kremlin and become the post who had crossed the Kremlin. 
like the Rubicon. The poster girls for the Russian opposition. The defendants, two of whom have young children, remain calm, occasionally smiling to each other inside their glass and steel cage. This is something I want people in America to hear uh, and, and understand. We've talked about it a little bit before in the show. The defendants, these young women that were tried in the Pussy Riot trial of 2012, um, were kept in a glass and steel cage during the trial because that's how dangerous they are considered to the safety and sanctity of the Russian church and state. You have to understand how absolutely terrified the Russian government is of these three girls who, by the way, you can go on YouTube and see the performance. It's like a minute and a half long of an incoherent fucking song with them jumping up and down in balaclavas and them saying, please fucking resign Putin and please uh, Mary become a feminist and shit. (coughs) Two years in jail for this. And as I said, this isn't the year 1012. This is the year 2012. And this shit's still happening. And that's what I want to talk about. Uh, Tolika Nokova, who has a daughter age four, burst into laughter when the judge quoted from a psychologist's report that concluded she suffered from a personality disorder because of her, quote, active stance on social issues. (laughs) Fucking A. How would you keep from laughing if you were being tried and a psychologist said you suffer from a social disorder because of your active stance on social issues? I mean, wow. Uh, We'd like to think that Russia's come kicking and screaming into the 21st century, but evidently no. Uh, And there they are. And yes, there's a million things that go along with this story. You can see in the photo here, if you could see it, that they're all looking at the camera and that they're going to be famous now. They had uh, a record released, I think today, in fact, that there's been celebrity supporters of them all over the world, uh, Madonna included. That's not the point of any of this or the point that people wear balaclavas and go to cocktail parties in New York and talk about it. The point is when the state is so frightened of young people like this who are doing obviously something that has social content in it, but is in general uh, with a sense of humor, by the way, uh, when you call your band Pussy Riot, you're fucking calling attention to a million things. You're calling attention to the fact that there's no band called Dick Riot. Because every band that men have ever put together is, in fact, a dick riot. (laughs) You're calling attention to the fact that you have to be able to knock religion in the state in order to have a free and open democracy that elects presidents like Vladimir Putin was elected. And, uh, And you're calling attention to the fact that America and England are one step away from putting people on trial for saying shit like this. Uh, I don't see us as morally superior in any fucking way to Russia in this matter. Uh, and so they're in for two years and they've taken the high road and for that I think they're fabulous there's someone dressed as a priest here I don't know if it's actually a priest and what I love about the English paper it says someone put I suspected of dressing as a priest outside court uh, a fellow wrote a column in the Guardian here uh, Michael Idov Michael Idov the Russian authorities took a marginal act of arty protest and through sheer cruelty made it into an international cause in covering the trial live CNN and BBC have broadcast what essentially a to long infomercials against investing, visiting, and generally dealing with Russia. That's what fucking happens when bodies start slapping and doing the wild thing. Um, when you put three young women in jail for what he calls a moment, a marginal act of arty protest, uh, it's not marginal anymore. Everyone knows who Pussy Riot is now. They are fucking famous for their act of protest, and hopefully young people get the message that this is a good thing, that protest is an active and vital thing, like a yogurt culture. You must have it running through your guts in order for you to survive. The day you start sucking corporate 
deliberate fucking bullshit every moment of your life and accepting that problem as the truth and seeing the things you see on TV and that the things that the government tell you as the truth is the day you stop being emotionally alive. You have to understand the government is not your friend. It is a guiding force that we have to abide by so they don't come to your house and knock on the door and fucking shoot you and shit. The reason why there's government is so that there's roads and stuff like that. But they're pretty shitty about putting roads up lately. Um, so understand uh, that uh, it's, it's an important cause now, I think. Not what they did is not the act that's important. It's the ramifications of it. And that people like Madonna and p- other people in their, uh, in their little ivory towers that haven't heard of shit are finally hearing of shit. Minutes after the verdict, the band released a new single, Putin Lights Up the Fires, exclusively through The Guardian. That I don't even believe, but they might have. The Guardian is not always on top with facts, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm liberal too, but I like facts occasionally. It's, it's notably more melodic than their previous work. Well, then he's heard it. Uh, in fact, such a PR precision may even open up a slightly icky discussion of whether in the meta artwork of Pussy Riot's story, imprisonment is an integral part. Of course it's an integral part. It's an integral part of Oscar Wilde's fucking story. It's an integral part of a million people's stories who were fighting for one thing and got thrown in the fucking can by the man. If they're not thrown in prison, it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. If Putin came down and gave them all fucking cupcakes and kissed them on the forehead and patted them on the butt and said, go form another punk band and this one called Vagina Fucking Splash, then it wouldn't be a story anymore. The point is that Vladimir Putin, like every other icky middle-aged fucking white guy who holds the reins of power, or any man in the world, whatever color they are, holds the reign of power, or women, let's get fucking serious. Julia Howard is not going to take fucking um, Julian Assange back to Australia. She would throw him back to America or or you guys in two fucking seconds if she had half a fucking minute. That they're icky asshole type guys. And that we're talking about people like Silvio Berlusconi and stuff like that. They want to run the state. They want to run the government, they want to run the press, and they want to make sure there's no fucking dissension whatsoever. But what's the upside of dissension, Greg? What if people are allowed to say what they... All right, I'll wait for you. Thank you. Shouldn't you do what the government says? Shouldn't there be law and order? Shouldn't there be the rule of law? Shouldn't we not shoot each other? That's two separate matters. Two fucking separate matters. The rule of law is one thing. The government arresting 22-year-old girls for singing a fucking song in a church when they're called Pussy Riot is another thing entirely. Uh, Julian Assange, uh, Ecuador calls for show solidarity. I mentioned it on the last show because my wife was down in London and was watching the protest there. Uh, Well, you heard what he came out today. And uh, Julian Assange said, uh, what did he say? Um, let's stop the witch hunt against WikiLeaks, right? He asked for President Obama to stop the witch hunt against WikiLeaks. Now, when I brought up Julian Assange in the last episode, um, a man here who apparently was wearing a reporter's uh, accreditation badge yelled out, and he rapes people. And I shut him down and said, I invite you to start your own fucking podcast if you want to shell that shit. I understand that there's an issue with what's going on with the two women from Sweden. But understand the context of the issue. I would never, ever in any way uh, be negligent or denigrate a serious sex, uh, sexual uh, consent charge against a man. However, I will point out the convenience of the time that the charge was uh, filed against him and uh, the fact that they were able to find two people who after the fact conferred and then decided that they had been violated at the moment that he was releasing 250,000 documents to the world that were full of American secrets that were humiliating uh, to our government and intelligence agencies. It's not a fucking coincidence. There, that's all I have to say. Whether or not their charges are valid, I'm not going into. Again, that's a separate matter. There is a witch hunt 
against WikiLeaks and against all whistleblowers in the United States. I will point you to a site called Salon.com. Glenn Greenwald on that site and a writer named Peter Van Buren who worked for the um, Foreign Service uh, and was an officer there and wrote a book on waste in Iraq. He is now persona non grata in the uh, the Foreign Service in the United States. People have been arrested by the Obama administration, six of them under the Espionage Act, right? Since he's been president in four years. The Espionage Espionage Act was started in 1917 when people spoke out against America's involvement in World War I. Not uh, that they were spies, simply if they said we shouldn't be involved in World War I. It's not our war. It's a corporate war. And all wars are corporate wars. They're not started by people against people from other countries. No one ever phoned up a person in France from England and went, you know what? We should fight for a hundred years. (laughs) it's kings and kingdoms that fight each other and we are all enlisted to be involved in that fight and when you speak out against it that's when shit hits fans six people have been arrested under the espionage act in four years three people in the whole uh, uh, of u.s history before that during world war one a woman named rose pastor stoke who was a jewish girl who grew up and married a fellow named pastor stoke um she wasn't even an anarchist she was just a left winger she was a socialist she got 10 years in prison in 1917 because she wrote to the kansas city star about world war one no government which is for profiteers can also be for the people and i'm for the people while the government is for the profiteers they released her after a few years but she was sent to prison for that Thomas Drake uh, worked for the National Security Agency. This is in recent memory. This is two years ago. Um, He came out with a report that said that the National Security Agency in the United States spent $1.2 billion on a contract uh, for data collection, or data collection, if you will, that could have been done in-house for $3 million. For that, the police came to his house in the middle of the night and woke his family up at gunpoint and sacked his fucking home, and he was uh, been tried for it and every other goddamn thing. All he was doing was trying to point out that there was waste in government and that people higher up had to be held accountable. That's how afraid they are of any truth. Not just fucking truths about this. These are war truths, right? We've been fighting two long wars. One just ended. We're still in Afghanistan. This shit goes on and on and on forever in an endless cycle of war profiteering. And that's why people get thrown in jail. I just wanted you to understand that. Whatever you think of Julian Assange as a person, he may be a dickwad for all we fucking know. Obviously, he has an ego. He called himself the James Bond of information or whatever. (laughs) And obviously, he likes the chicks. Uh, Who doesn't? Um... But uh, what he did was amazing in so much as it, it's here. Let me just read you one more thing uh, in it. This is from Glenn Greenwald. And I, so, you know, that I'm not saying it, but I want you to know that I concur with this in a nation. And when I say a nation, I mean, England and by England, I mean, Great Britain. And by Great Britain, I mean, the United Kingdom. And by the United Kingdom, I mean, the United Snakes <laughs> in a nation in which government secrecy is close to all consuming in which the vast majority of government acts of significance take place take place behind a classified wall whistleblowers retain virtually only uh, for learning of serious political wrongdoing the only source 
for, uh, in other words, whistleblowers come to reporters and tell reporters, and then reporters report to the papers, to our free press, about the chicanery and bullshit that fucking governments are getting up to, and they don't want that at all in any way, shape, or form. That's why your phone is watching you all the time. That's why there's fucking cameras everywhere all over this fucking island watching you. Not because they want you to be safe. They can't guarantee your safety. They can't guarantee shit. They can't guarantee healthcare or food. They can't guarantee fucking oxygen. The government couldn't organize a dirt fucking road if it had to. But they can organize this and uh, keep people like Julian Assange um, in in custody till the end of fucking time. Um, Jane Mayer is a reporter and she said, when our sources are prosecuted, the news gathering process is... um, criminalized so it's incipient upon all journalists to speak up i invite all journalists to speak up and i invite journalists to stop writing things like why read in the daily mail in scotland today where they were like this julian assange thing's costing us a million pounds that's fifty thousand pounds a day how much is it to fight the war in afghanistan every fucking day how much is it for all the profits that have gone over do you know that 60 million hundreds of millions of dollars in cash disappeared into iraq and afghanistan we've never seen any of that maybe you have to take a bus on the way to work. Maybe that bus just had a fare hike and shit like that. You think they could spread the money any other which way? All right. That's enough of the boring preachy part. Um, we have time for maybe one. Maybe we have time for none, maybe. Are we done, Lou? I was hoping to end on something funny. We do have time for one? Oh, hooray. Let's take some questions, and hopefully it'll be on a lighter note here. I have a book in my possession here, and by the time we get to the next Proopcast, uh, it's called Ruling Over Monarchs, Giants, and Stars. It's by a, a gentleman named Bob Motley, who was the last umpire alive from the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues, of course, were Satchel Page pitched, and uh, I, I want to read you a chapter from it next time around about the women who broke uh, the gender barrier in professional sport in the... 40s in America. But let's take a couple questions and then we'll piss off into this good night. Anybody got a question? Let's, let's have some ladies. We've had a lot of men. And men always ask the same thing. If Godzilla could fight a tarantula. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Men are perceptive too. Let's have a pussy riot. I'm having one inside my mangina. My mangina is having a pussy riot so fucking hard right now. You could find Nessie and Stephanik or whatever it is. Who, who's got one? Oh, there you are. Hi. Hello. Oh. Hi. What's your name, pumpkin butter? Uh, butter? No. <laughs> your name is butter with a question mark? No. What's your name, my darling? Emma. Hi, Emma. Hello. Hi, I'm Greg. I do have a question. I'm so just talking about butter. Um, I was wondering, because you are interested in films, and I think sometimes people who are interested in films go into art galleries and they see video art, and they often have a different perspective. So I'm wondering what your perspective on video art is. I, do comedy, but. I didn't understand a lot of what you said. <laughs> this is what it sounded like. I've got a name and butter and video. I think it was a question about do, do I like video artists? Was that the? I think the question was, um, what do you think about video art? In Lou, is that you translating into? Oh no, it's you. Hello. Hi, Emma. That's Lou. Hi, Lou. Hi. <laughs> What do you feel about video art? What do I think? Yeah. About video art? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's magnificent. If you can do it right, I've seen some fabulous video art. My wife and I went to a, a gallery in Los Angeles a couple months ago and saw the, some tremendous, if I could remember the artist's name, I'd die a fucking happy comedian. Um, uh, just now at the Serpentine Gallery in London, um, there's awesome Yoko Ono video art, and hers is done with great humor, and always on giant profound issues. There's also, uh, she's doing a, a picture art thing where people come in and smile, and she's gathering all their faces, and, and that'll be shown as well. I think video art's a, a, a tremendous way to communicate, and I think wildly immediate, um, uh, I think, in fact, in a way, it has to replace everything else, right? Because soon, um, your art gallery is on your phone, and you'll be able to look at it all the fucking time. So I think the more video artists get hip to that fact, and the more that they feel that they can subvert and indoctrinate the dominant paradigm, is the day when video art becomes even more spectacularly special, in my mind, uh, when we're using it to fuck over the big, mean, ugly people named Vladimir Putin all over the world. Hooray for me and hooray for you. Thank you for that question. One more question and then we have to go because I think there's a, a dancing donut show afterward. Yes, my precious. Oh, there you are. Hello. Oh, hi. Um, Shit, I didn't even see you. I was wondering what the worst show you've ever seen. What's your name, ScarJo? Georgia. Was it? Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Um, I was wondering what the worst show you've ever seen at the Fringe Festival is. The worst show. Oh, the worst show I've ever seen at the French Festival. Oh, really? A value judgment and shit? That's horrible. Uh, I've never seen a bad show here. Really? A good comedian would have ended on that. I don't go see that many shows, to be honest, because I'm usually working all the time. Sometimes I'll see shows with my friends. I've been in some shows that I thought sucked some major man bag. Uh... I was in one just this afternoon that I appeared in that I didn't think was the greatest show of all time. Uh, I can't think of a bad one I've seen, but let me tell you two spectacular ones I saw. Uh, um, uh, I saw Tom Robinson years ago here, and he was fabulous. And my wife and I saw John Cale at a church once. And this is what I love about Scotland. It was at a church. It was John Cale. John Cale was great. He was like the Sammy Davis Jr. of, of uh, progressive artists, right? He played piano for a while. He played saxophone. He played the vibraphones. He played all these different instruments. He sang like Velvet Underground songs. He sang his own songs. And then at one point, because we're in Scotland, someone had brought a fucking beer bottle in and it rolled the length of the church all the way down. So in this very sepulchral moment, and John Cale talks like this, and I'm doing so and then all of a sudden, clank! Roll, 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 clank! And he didn't even fucking register it. And I was pissing myself with laughter. And that one, I thought, was a good show. As far as bad shows, I don't know. Uh, I, like I said, I feel so bad putting down anyone who comes to the fringe. Yeah, there are some sucky shows here. But the idea that you would pitch up here when there's 30 million fucking people trying to sell something and have the fucking balls and veracity to even put your shit out there and have the fucking list come by and go. I think my favorite review from the list was about me. You've seen it done before. You've seen it done better. <laughs> That's been the smartest man in the world, Proofcast. Thank you very much for coming out tonight, my beloved kittens. You are beautiful to me. My name's Greg Poops. We'll see you next time from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and then later from California. Emma, play the closing theme, god damn it. <laughs>